Assalamu alaikum, my dear sisters. I hope you're well. It's Hannah here, and I would like to welcome you to her story inspires. Okay, don't ask me why I did that, but inshallah, welcome to um her story inspires. We are now on episode four. Subhanallah, I can't believe we've done four episodes already subhanallah uh but alhamdulillah uh obviously i'm really grateful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we've been able to do four episodes um we ask him to accept it from us now inshallah before the episode begins i would like to share the exciting news that we are now on most of the uh, known uh, or popular podcast platforms like anchor spotify and as of today apple podcasts now those of you who are um, android users we haven't forgotten about you, <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah, very soon we should be um, on the Google podcast and we will share when this is um, on our IG story. Um, please do share links uh, with your contacts, inshallah, to the different podcast platforms. Um, finally, episode four with Jet Mira was really, really inspiring from learning about her childhood in Albania, growing up in a small village surrounded by mountains, subhanAllah, um, to her kind of uh, growing up under uh, 50 years of com- uh, communism rule. Um, so religion was not allowed to be practiced openly or privately um, to the point, you know, where she did not even know like what la ilaha illallah like is, which is, um, you know, there is none worthy of worship except Allah, which is the uh, proclamation of faith, uh, w- which we call um, shahada that kind of enters you into Islam, subhanAllah. So I found that quite, quite, uh, quite deep. Um, Jamir went on to discuss how you know she found Islam in Albania, how she then went on and completed her master's degree, um, and she came to the UK and the struggles that she found with settling in here in the UK, although she was married, and and the struggles um that she had with enrolling into um, a PhD program, and she kind of took the 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 another route into it by doing a PGCE which is which is a t- uh, UK teacher training uh, program and that's where me and Jetmira actually met so Jetmira's story is an inspirational story for anyone who is going through a time in their life where they really want to achieve something and they're finding themselves having to go through one hurdle after another after another just to get to the goal and dream and you may feel kind of defeated you may feel kind of like you know you're wanting to give up and I hope, inshallah, that it reaches the heart of the one who will only be inspired to keep going until they achieve their golden dream, just like Jamira did. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from her and to bless her and her family. Um, I know that, inshallah, you'll definitely enjoy this episode. So that's it from me now, my dear sisters. Take care of yourselves and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Enjoy. We all have a story, a story of pain, a story of shame, guilt, sadness, and grief. A story of ups and downs, highs and lows that gave birth to who you are today, that empowered you to stand tall despite how broken you felt inside. 
And it's this that makes you special, beautiful, strong, and inspiring. Her Story Inspires is a weekly online show where women will be sharing their story of courage to leave you feeling inspired and more importantly to know that you're not alone. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum wa salam. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm very excited actually. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited too. To begin? Yeah. Ready. والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته ديرست جاميرا وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته to uh, the sisters that we have with us here today um i hope that inshallah everybody's doing really well um So Jetmira what we'll do is we'll go straight into um the episode we'll just go straight into it. Um I don't know the audio seems a bit okay no worries. let's begin anyway. So um uh today we have with us Jetmira. So Jetmira is uh mashallah barakallah a researcher in science and she's also a physics teacher at the secondary school um in London. Uh and mashallah barakallah she's also um you know on a journey to memorize the Quran and she's a wife and also also a mother of two beautiful children. Um we're really really honored to have you here Jetmira. And um yeah, I'm really excited to get to know you uh because I know you but I don't think I know a lot about you. Um <laughs> So let's um go kind of way back to Jetmira as a child in Albania. Hey. Um well thank you again for inviting me and yeah I I'm actually quite happy to share my story probably it will it is not as as flourished the journey it has the ups and downs and not as flourished as you described in the beginning but Yeah so um I was born and I grew up in Albania in a village in uh, northeast Albania um has lots of mountains around <laughs> and uh, the I would say it is beautiful but it is quite isolated um it was difficult um but we had I I had a father that he was he was asking a lot not only from me but from all the siblings um we as I told you we were living in village but my um my father wanted us to get a good education so he asked us to go into a school in a town school and we had to travel about I'd say 30 minutes walk but it gets really rough when um there is um rain when there is snow <laughs> i remember when i was in year 1 the snow was so heavy that it would cover me completely so my mom had to carry me on her back to take me to school <laughs> but um yes the quality of education was better there and that's what my dad was was working on he wanted to give us a better education 
um, completed the... How many siblings were you? How many siblings were you? Oh, um, I've got three brothers. I don't have any sister, so four of us. <laughs> are they older than you, or are you young, the youngest? Or um, I've got one brother, which is older than me, and I've got two others that are younger than me. Yeah. And then uh, I finished that, my secondary school, and we moved on to... Um, I would say, well, we call that, if I would translate properly, is a high school. It's not quite a levels like in here. Um, it, it works slightly different. But, so basically, that education, it takes you up to 18 years old. Um, I would say between the difficulties um, during this time when I was in, if I would translate in high school or A-levels, um, there were a couple of, of things that happened that made things a bit more difficult, I would say. Um, when I was uh, 15, um, my dad wanted me to learn English, so I went into an English school privately. Um, so it, there were the ex we did it outside the school, so there were extra hours. And uh, this school um, was um, founded from some Americans who had come in there. And they also had opened a, ch a church. Um, now, we kind of knew that we were Muslims, but like we never had any of the actually Islamic ways. Um, so I would not know what prayer means. I even would not know like the words la ilaha illallah. Like I would not know anything. <laughs> and, yeah. I it, yeah it was it, it was a bit strange, and I think there was um, there were the traces of the communism because during those 50 years, all the, uh, not only Islamic education that was in the country, but also the Christianity, because even those who were Christians in Albania, they, they had very good like schools, their own. But during communism, they, because it was a secular um, like politics, they made sure that there is no religion in the minds of people. So they, they would actually uh, do with them whatever they want. So the first thing that they did was like um, executing all the um, preachers, uh, religious preachers, any religious preachers. So that's why um, I think that had damaged um, Albania a lot in that sense. So the only thing that I knew was that I'm a Muslim, but without any sense of what Islam is. And then when I was, I'll go back now, when I was um, in this school um, during uh, my English studies, it, in the church, so they, they were telling us certain things that they were doing. And I started to visit them. And kind of like, because in the other hand, like, when they tell you that, well, you have to um, 
look after the elderly or you have to look after your parents or you have to speak sweetly that that is something that yeah it sounds like really near to the heart and you accept it and you feel that yes that's the thing that i want to do and i was feeling like probably is this something that i want to believe and i kind of like went towards of visiting them and this was for about one year one year and a half and then but then i remember one day um they were having this um it was just before christmas and they were having this program and they were saying that um they had some wine in there and some bread and that it is part of their ritual that if you really believe with your heart and you are you need to take this step and believe now that um in Jesus Christ and everything and i was sitting there on the chair and i was thinking like i like the way how they are telling me to to behave and to be as a person but accepting jesus christ as my god it it annoyed me and i couldn't accept it and i i remember my heart like going like trembling to the point of trembling and i was going like i'm not going to come here anymore and that was actually the last day i went there and but still after that i remember that it was a lost journey something that was missing on me um during that time it happened that my my uh dad will fall ill um because of working in very rough conditions so uh, he he got a very severe cold and um they went he went to the hospital um he was going in and out in and out of the hospital and i i remember that um of course the hospitals need lots of money particularly in the in the countries that they will serve you only if you give them some money and i remember like how much we were struggling to to go from one day to another at this point my older brother was um engaged and he got married and he moved to another um city to capital city to tirana so he can find a job and actually he found a job together with her wife with his wife sorry <laughs> and uh, um then when uh, in the hospital there in town told that we can't do any more uh, anything about him probably is better that you take him to the capital city and then my dad went with his brother but then once once they went there they were told that he have to stay for quite a long time there and he has to take an operation his brother couldn't stay that long with him so um my uncle came back and my mom had to go at that point i was 16 years old and we were left at home me and my two younger brothers um i was 16 
the brother after me, he was 12, and the other one was nine years old. Um, except that, like, we had to also take care, because we were living in a village, um, we had to take care of um, a, a cow <laughs> and a horse. And yeah. I know if, if someone <laughs> listens now, they'll think, like, what? Yes, we were living in the village, and to be honest, like, the car was something that was like it was a good source for us like we would we would get the milk and we would get like so many things and will sustain us but for us we were so young it was it was difficult to to keep like to take care of the our house animals and to take care of each other. And uh, I remember one day, one of the most difficult days, I would say, um, we, we went with my brother, 12 years old, uh, to get some of the um, hay and some of the grass for the cow and for the uh, horse. And it was a very strong wind. And when we came back, um, in the beginning, everything was fine. After half an hour, my brother's eyes got completely swollen. It was so difficult for me as a 16 years old to know what to do with him. It was, and he is different. You can call the ambulance and it's sorted. Yeah, but over there in the <laughs> Yeah, you, you have to find something to do. Like, and I was, I, I remember like trying uh, cold water, <laughs> trying everything that was coming into my mind. <laughs> um, but, uh, Alhamdulillah, after like, after that night, even though it was difficult, after that night, then um, my brother got better. Um, yeah, so this this was kind of the, the life that I was doing there, but between those, so I, I had two things that were in my mind. One, my dad wanted to give me education and I wanted to educate myself further. So I wanted to pursue and get a good education. And um, secondly, I, I was feeling a little bit empty in my spiritual side. Yeah, and then after that, I remember when I finished my uh, um, high school, and um, and that's what, to be honest, like the girls in my area, that's that's pretty much like doing the high school. It will be like a great thing for them, and if they do it, then they would have uh, been like educated people. They will not carry on any further. And after that point, so probably even earlier, they would get engaged and married. And I remember um, after I finished my high school and my dad asks me, well, we've got lots of offers. So one of those is um, a butcher. <laughs> and, um, it was going to be like, you will have a good life. You can yeah. find a, um, a job. We will, we will arrange for you to find a job as a teacher in that village. And um, your husband is going to be a butcher. You will have meat all the time. So <laughs> if you want, we can, we can carry on. Like, 
you get married and and I was sat, sitting there and I was looking at him and I was going like that I want only one thing I want you to let me go and do university and then I will marry anyone you like because for me the I trust you more in marriage than I than I trust myself and then he looked at me like that and said off you go and I I remember when he said that it was like so great for me really <laughs> something it was especially like with the conditions that we had like I would say and I will not be ashamed to say that between um all the people that were around in our village um probably we were between the poorest <laughs> but my dad like giving me okay to go to university that was a a huge boost even though after that i i know he had like lots of like um his brothers sisters everyone going like are you mad do you know where will you find the money to to give her an education we don't do that and then the girls when they go to universities they with him it was in his different you can call the ambulance and it's sorted yeah but over there in the <laughs> yeah you you have to find something to do like and i was i, I remember like trying uh, cold water <laughs> trying everything that was coming into my mind <laughs> um but uh, alhamdulillah after like after that night even though it was difficult after that night then um my brother got better um yeah so this this was kind of the the life that I was doing there but between those so I, I had two things that were in my mind one my dad wanted to give me education and I wanted to educate myself further so I wanted to pursue and get a good education and um secondly I I was feeling a little bit empty in my spiritual side Yeah and then after that I remember when I finished my uh, um high school and um and that's what to be honest like the girls in my area that's that's pretty much like doing the high school it will be like a great thing for them and if they do it then they would have uh, been like educated people they will not carry on any further and after that point so probably even earlier they would get engaged and married and i remember um after i finished my high school and my dad asks me well we've got lots of offers so one of those is um a butcher <laughs> and um he was going to be like you will have a good life you can yeah. find a um, a job we will we will arrange for you to find a job as a teacher in that village and um your husband is going to be a butcher you will have meat all the time so <laughs> if you want we can carry on like you get married and and I was sat, sitting there and I was looking at him and I was going like that I want only one thing I want you 
to let me go and do university and then I will marry anyone you like because for me the I trust you more in marriage than I than I trust myself and then he looked at me like that and said off you go and I I remember when he said that it was like so great for me <laughs> Exciting. It was especially like with the conditions that we had. Like I would say, and I will not be ashamed to say that between um, all the people that were around in our village, um, probably we were between the poorest. <laughs> But my dad, like giving me okay to go to university, that was a a huge boost. Even though after that, I I know he had like lots of like um, his brothers, sisters, everyone going like, "Are you mad? Do you know where will you find the money to to give her an education? We don't do that." And then the girls, when they go to universities, they they don't have control and everything. So it was it was he, he had to bear a lot. That's it. Yeah, how um, beautiful that your dad had all that pressure, um, yet he he still allowed you to do you know what you wanted to do. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm happy that he he gave me okay because he he opened a door like I would say a huge door for me. Uh, after that, like I I think that everything that have happened afterwards. Of course, Allah will, but um, my dad became the reason to open that door and I follow um, the paths and I do the the things that I, I love to do. Yeah, so then going to university, um, first year I lived with my brother and my sister-in-law um, at university. And um, I remember in one day, we were, uh, I was at university and one of the girls, she was studying maths and we were outside just waiting to start the next session. And she said, oh, I started to pray. I said, what do you mean? And she said, like, I started to pray. I said, like, yeah, I understand, but how do you pray? I mean... <laughs> I was praying. Yeah. My auntie came. She was in Turkey, and she told me how to pray. And she said, uh, "Because I'm a Muslim." Yeah, she she mentioned it because I'm a Muslim. I said, "Well, I'm a Muslim." And she said, "Like, oh, really? You are a Muslim? Do you pray?" I said, "No." <laughs> I said, and she said, "Like, you're not a Muslim then?" I said, "What? How dare you tell me I'm not a Muslim?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, I I remember I went to church and I I followed and there were parts that I really liked that, but I felt that I don't belong there, so I should belong somewhere. <laughs> I, I remember I was I was like really I I felt when she said like oh you don't pray then you are not a Muslim and I was going like what does she mean? Um. And I finished my first year and I said, well, then I, I need to explore what 
like what Islam or what Muslim means then. And I got this book. I remember um, it was a tra translation, Albanian translation of uh, uh, Ibn Qayyim book. It was about Iman. And I was reading and I, it was stuck in my mind because in every page I would read, only one word, probably the, the rest I didn't understand anything, like it just went like, oh, okay, that's what it is. But one word was stuck from the beginning to the end. A Muslim have to pray five times a day. And then I moved to the next one and a Muslim prays and loves to pray. And then this was a repetition and that was the only phrase that got stuck into my brain throughout all that book. And I closed this and I said, well, then I have to find a way for this because like, I want to know what's the prayer then. And um, I found another book and that was um, how to pray for a beginner Muslim. I said, okay, great. And I thought this will be something easy. I'll sit down there and I'll say some words in Albanian and finished. And then I opened this book and it goes like, this is the phrase that you have to say in Arabic. It was with Arabic letters and I was put off. And then it was the transliteration in, in, um, with Albanian letters just below that. I said, well, probably I could use this. And I went for it. Like I wanted to really try. So <laughs> I started to memorize things with Albanian transliteration. And I remember I will, it would take me every day three hours to learn one line to memorize it. It was so difficult, really difficult. And I was going like, I was thinking I'll never, I'll never be able to learn it up to the end. And then at the 28th day, I was finished memorizing everything for the prayer. And I was going, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> and then I remember I, I could hear, because um, in the village we were living, there were uh, mosques around the village. And because it was a... Um, uh, mountain landscape the uh, Adhan will be heard As a, to be honest now even now I don't know it's good that Adhan is, is said like all five prayers but it's called like completely empty because you can count in the whole town it might be probably five people that go into the mosque for the prayer. How many people live in, in, your, in, in your town? Sorry? How many people lived in your town? Like, what was the population? Um, it's about uh, 30,000 people. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a bit. But it, for me, okay, I heard the Adhan and I was going like, okay, let me try your uh, bismillah. And I went and um, I got, um, I took wudu, I got washed. And um, my house was uh, two levels. 
So I went to the second level, uh, made sure that no one was around. <laughs> and I started. When I started, I was stuck. I couldn't remember a word. And I was going like, oh, that was not quite. I thought I had memorized it. And so <laughs> then I did this. I got the book. <laughs> and I placed it into the part where I had to do the sudut. And um, I will I will pray, and then when when I will go to sujood, and then it will be for the next record. I would have to flip it into the next page. I'll do the sujood and flip the page, <laughs> and then I'll go and then carry on this again. And I was going like, oh, okay, but oh. it took me about I would say about. Uh, another three weeks until I memorized it properly. It was not with, with proper Arabic. It was just, just trying to get there. That's so beautiful. So, Jitmira, were you learning on your own, basically, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Everything in my own, yes. Yeah. And wow, then... Just your own kind of journey. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was strange. And I remember when, um, when my mom figured out that I'm... I'm kind of hiding a few times a day. And she was going like, and she had, she asked me like, what's happening? And I didn't want to tell because um, I, I was afraid. I was afraid. And um, then um, after a few times of her asking me, she said like, have you started to pray like Islamically? And I said, uh, yes okay and she didn't say anything and then the day after she said to me but you will never dress up i was going like okay i don't know what you mean but yeah, yeah because at that point i didn't know that actually uh, to be a muslim and to pray you actually have to cover up so for me it was just like getting that connection with allah and not more than that. I, I didn't quite know that you have to cover, you have to do. But um, one thing that I knew was that um, if I if I was like completely like having like a mini skirt or things like that, I should not wear a mini skirt anymore. So that was something that I I, I knew about it, but not completely. I I didn't know like that I have to wear a headscarf and wear long dresses and things like that. So yeah, and then I remember when I went for the second year, like I had started to pray and like every new Muslim is really fanatic of the prayer in the start of the journey. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I remember myself, like, um, I made sure I, I got a, um, I rented a house very close to university. So uh, when the prayer time will be, I'll run house, pray, and then go back and not miss a lecture. And I, that, that's what I did, actually. And it, it, it worked out well um, for the first first part first few few years i would say actually two three years until um 
I was told like, oh, because I, for me, like praying sunnahs was as important as praying for. And then I, I met um, a girl and she said, oh, no, you don't have to feel like that. And I was going like, oh, really? And kind of like I slipped from my sunnah prayers because I was going like, oh, if it is not like really far, then probably it's okay to miss them sometimes. <laughs> but I feel that actually it is, if you try and keep them, it's better. And I would say from the, the, there are certain things when you start the journey that are, um, you do them with uh, more, your heart is open, your mind is open, and you do them with uh, fanaticism. And it, you just feel good about it, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, there, there are certain things that I miss even now. Also, yeah. like when you're praying your sunnah prayer, it's like a sign of like your iman is quite good. And when you kind of let go of your sunnah prayer, it's a sign of that, you know, your iman is kind of weak. Um, uh, and, and, you, and there's so many like, you know, um, there's like a authentic hadith that says that, you know, if you pray your, um, your 12 sunnah prayers like every day, like a house is built for you in Jannah. Um, yeah, so there's so many beautiful things, you know, in there for us to, inshallah, you know, keep up with our sunnah prayers. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, um, after you became, started praying, um, that girl that you met in your first year of uni, like, did, she, did you become close to her or? I never saw her again. <laughs> hey, subhanallah. I literally never saw her again. I think... Um, I think she went to Greece to do further uh, studies. So she started maths in there, and there were a couple of people from a certain uh, town in Albania that they started, literally in our university, they did the first year, but they already had some people in Greece and they wanted to actually do their uh, university in Greece. And so they, they went there. Oh, okay. And okay. She was one of those who went to Greece. Okay, inshallah. So you finished mm -hmm. high school, then you went to university. You finished university, mm -hmm. and what happened after that, Jitmira? Um. Yeah. Um. It was like um, wearing my long clothing came a little bit like um. It came eventually. Uh, another girl um, that I used to live with um, when I was at university, she, uh, um, sh she was, uh, mashallah, she had started her path into Islam. And uh, she had bought this long, long skirt and I went to visit her that day. I was third year university, so I, I'll um, get my undergraduation that year. And she, she said to me that, um, if you are a Muslim, then you should you should wear long skirts so you do not show your shapes. And I was just listening to her and I was not replying back. And this was my way of doing things. Like, I will never tell that I am going to do this thing. Um, but I will just keep doing it until I I make it my method of life. And I remember I 
came off her house and I went to my flat and I got the money and straight away I went to the shop and I found this long skirt and I bought it. And since then, I never wore uh, trousers again. So I wore only skirts, but still I hadn't wear my, my scarf. And then I started master's and this, when I finished the first year of master's, because master's degrees there in Albania is two years, um, my friend, um, which she lives in here now, she said that uh, her husband has a friend. I, I can't remember exactly the connection. And then th that friend of her husband was also the uh, nephew of her neighbor. And she said that uh, they are looking for a Muslim girl. Um, and then uh, we got we got to talk with each other and um, we we decided to go ahead with the engagement so we actually never met before we got married we, we spoke but like we 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 never met like physically each <laughs> other I couldn't hear you, sorry. Photos of each other. Can you repeat it, please? Photos of each other. It interrupts, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Um, photos, did you see photo of your husband? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> um, we, we used Skype and we spoke uh, with Skype. So before deciding, we spoke twice via Skype. And then, yeah, and then after that, we, we decided that um, we, we get engaged. And then he, he had just started his master's in here at UCL. And uh, yeah, the, the things were a bit rough for him too, because um, he, he was thinking that uh, when he when he will do the masters he was assuming the same thing for uh, as he did for undergraduate that he was he will get the grant and everything and then i i think he was shocked to find out that he had to pay everything <laughs> and so yeah. we had to spend a year um talking via skype um and not meeting but yeah um and then it was um July when we met and we did the nikah but um, I would say alhamdulillah it was well it was not the weddings that we are used to see it was not that way and uh, I'm I, like I'm happy with that because the thing is that I I know that all the girls like want that day to be special and like with the guests and everything. But for us, it was another thing more important and for us was that we wanted to do the things our way, but within our uh, limit of money that we had. So we actually didn't have um, guests except his mom and his sisters. <laughs> oh, 
and where was the nikah done in the uk or back in albania in albania it was done in albania okay mashallah that's beautiful may allah bless your marriage Uh, but I want to talk a bit more about like um uh like how you and your husband mashallah like work together because um yeah, let's do that later inshallah let's talk about that later um so you came to the UK did you come to the UK straight yeah. away after the nikah and we three months later um in September I came to UK yeah how did you find it when you came to the UK like it was very hard very hard i when i came i i would not understand like i told you that i i did some um english lessons but actually it was completely different of what i was thinking like i would not understand the word and i felt i felt completely lost and for me it was like well i was there i had finished masters um i could have done like anything but actually um i came here and now in here i don't know if my um degrees i, I will use them to work and i don't know what to do because without knowing the language you can't do actually anything and i was I I'd say I was shocked. Um I remember in the beginning my husband he didn't wanted to let me um alone because he could feel that and um I would join he had just started uh, another uh, masters of research at UCL they had invited him with funding and I went there um he he took me with him at university and oh. i i told this like it is it is really funny but really funny and we were we were in a in a lecture it was about safety and i was in front of this lecturer and he was going um <laughs> he was going like he was talking about things like um, what they should um take care of and how they should behave at university at some point he says like because students actually use their cards and they bring <laughs> the outsiders inside and i was just in front of him <laughs> oh no that's so funny and i'm still like completely serious like and i i don't know if i understood him completely my my husband started to Get a little bit red <laughs> because he was thinking like, if if I if I don't understand this, like <laughs> who knows what will happen? Yeah. And he would, he would look at me and he would look at him and just stay there, like waiting what is going to happen next. <laughs> and I'll pick you up. Look at him on his eyes, completely blank. <laughs> <laughs> so funny and so cute. It was really funny. And Aww. if that was not enough, um another day we went to an engineering program. I was going like when uh, Ali told me that he's got this engineering module and I was going, "Yes, I want to hear this. Like how it sounds in English because I know how it sounds in Albanian. I want to hear this how it sounds in English." And this lecturer, he was a, a bit strange, I would say. We were um at 30 in that seminar and he asked us to write the name 
And I didn't write my name because I was not part of the program. And he counts up. And he gets, he gets like, there are 31 people, but there are 30 names in here. And, but this I understood completely. And I was just saying that, like, that nothing happens that doesn't have to do with me. <laughs> and then um, at the end, he went again, make sure you write your name because you have to have a certain amount of hours in order to pass uh, this course. And uh, I just stood there and did nothing. <laughs> when it finished, I just went out and I said, okay, I'm not going to come in that lecture again. But then my husband told me that the same thing happened the next day. I was going to, okay, that's fine. Then. So he, <laughs> but, yeah, it was an awkward situation. And another funny situation was that, okay, so it was not working for me to go with him into seminars. And I was going like, okay, I'm going to do something else. The, I'll go and join the theaters like for big lectures. And it should be fine because there are lots of people in there. No one will <laughs> know what is happening. And I went there into the theater and I sat down. I think I was earlier than the others. So that's why I didn't realize how many people who is coming in and midway through the lecture I would see the lecturer looking only me and I was thinking like what's the problem what's the problem like, this uh, lecture was about uh, uh, medicine and I opened my eyes around about like three quarters of the lecture and I saw all Chinese <laughs> every single one <laughs> Chinese <laughs> and I was kind of like, no wonder why he's looking at me like that. <laughs> I, like even now when I speak and, oh, and, and tell people that I, I love I love myself and every time because it, it is like, I completely didn't realize where I'm going. <laughs> it was it was hilarious, I, I I'm telling you. After a month, so I stopped going. Maybe. I saw this method is not working anymore. I, well, I went for another <laughs> two weeks. But I would stay in the library and study there. And I would study only English. And I said, well, <laughs> going to lectures is not working anymore, so I have to change. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, would go, I would go into the library and stay there. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Um, one day, I think, yeah, Ali realized that actually it is better if he tries and engages me more with the local mosque. mosque and I think he was right. Uh, so I went to the local mosque and um, I, I told them, one of the ladies there, I told them, like, I don't know anything about reading the Quran anything at all, if you could help me with something or give me a book, then I'll very much appreciate it. And I remember uh, there was uh, this sister called Nilofa. Um, um, she was like the director for the side, for the girl's side in there, for the madrasa. And she allocated one of the teachers to give me 10 minutes every day to listen to my... Uh, so to teach me the letters, basically. Uh, and, uh, letters, right? 
yeah, letters, uh, Arabic letters, yes. Like to start and read the Quran. And um, yeah, I I felt much better afterwards. Like I, I, was, I was starting to engage a little bit more into the society. And I, I remember that I would, I would really give my time like to properly learn that letter until I go in the evening. And then I started uh, with the, uh, like with the vowels and joining the letters with the words and then later with ayahs. Um, and I, I was much ha happy with that. But yeah, of course, at the same time, because throughout the time, uh, actually since when I was in Albania, when I was doing my uh, last year of masters, my my dream was to to do some research on science. Um, I I really find myself to look for things, and I I I love science, and I think that when someone has a desire for something, unless they put whatever they know into the application, then that knowledge goes to waste and that part of the brain kind of dies. And so I didn't want that to happen with me. I wanted all that knowledge that I gained during uh, my master's degree because I, I loved engineering so much, so much. Like I, I would find myself all the times even dreaming for the how to design something for a certain process. And I was looking for PhDs uh, from then, but I couldn't uh, get into uh, particularly like, and probably they are right. But if if I would ask, for example, my, as I told you, first thing, my English was really limited. I got tested in Albania and um, I think with uh, IELTS, I didn't go higher than five, something like that. So it was quite limited. And um, to do a PhD, you do need a higher English level. And then when I came here, I was going, okay, I'll then give my time to the Quran learning and I'll give my time to the English learning. And at the same time, I'll try and apply for PhDs. And uh, that's one of the things you, you, you were talking about. You wanted to do a PhD. Yeah, it was one of the things that it, it was with me throughout um, throughout the journey, since when I knew that a PhD exists, basically. It, it is not for the name PhD, it is for the for putting my knowledge into application or trying to place myself into the struggles of how to get something new. Um, so, yeah, uh, but Alhamdulillah, one thing that uh, happened is that I, I started to learn Quran, which I was very ha happy about. And um, I was managing using the British Council um, website I was managing to learn English and because I it is leveled quite well in there so uh, I enjoyed learning with the levels and getting um, the levels up and then um, I got pregnant um, I think it was eight months after I 
I arrived in UK. And uh, I, I got, um, it was very difficult in the beginning because um, some of the pregnancies are a bit harder than the others. Uh, for example, with the second daughter, I didn't experience it as bad as with the first one. But with the first one, I would literally like stay in bed and not eat at all. Like literally at all. Um, I, only I will drink water. Yes, I will drink water. And I remember there were, there were, there was once it had passed a week and I hadn't eaten anything. And um, my husband wanted to make me eat, but I couldn't. And he would go like, well, I have to, if I have to slap you so you can open your mouth, I will actually do that. And it, worried it, about you. Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes, it was. Uh, it was really worried. I, I remember, and at some point, uh, it was. You know, when I see you like that, I think I don't want baby anymore. <laughs> I was good, like, but I remember, like, even though I was that bad, like, I, I would. I think the the feelings are a bit different because I was going like, what? No. <laughs> I won't, baby. Uh, I was in the other side. But, yeah, and then um, I had Urtessa. So, my okay. older daughter. Yeah. Yes. Um, what else I did? Well, I, I was, during that time, I was just keeping up with the... Um, with the Quran learning and I had just started now to um, actually be able to read the ayahs in the Quran and that was kind of giving me satisfaction. Um, I remember one of my friends that I met in the mosque, uh, it was Urtesa, she was not one year old yet and she said like, would you be interested in teaching? And I was going like, uh, Probably not, but probably yes. I was not completely sure. And she said, like, well, I, I feel that you would be very good, like, um, as a teacher. We've got this um, school, this madrasa, only Saturdays and Sundays. And just start and uh, teach the little children the letters and uh, these things. And I was going, okay, it's only Saturday, so let me just have a go. And I remember I started, like, on Saturdays, I started to go, even though Tessa was a bit too little. But um, my husband will be off on Saturdays, so um, he will take care of Tessa when I will go and teach the children the letters. Now, it, it sounds a little bit like, how come, like, I just learned myself. But for some reason, she she believed that I was good enough to teach, <laughs> to teach okay. the children the letters. Um, and she was uh, for you as she, well. yeah yes it was it was it was very nice for me also um, I, like I I just got to get in touch with more people and that that was like it was helping me it was helping me a lot um, and then when I was carrying on and applying for PhDs and I would get like refusal after refusal and uh, one in UCL, they invited me for an interview. Um, I remember going for the interview. There were uh, 
two people who interviewed me and um, one uh, of them like he seemed very keen while the other lady she, she was just completely like was, was not making any motion I, I don't know what she had in her mind and then I was leaving it I was kind of stressed out actually because like I, I was anxious waiting for an answer and um, it passed six weeks and I didn't get any answer. And I, I remember one day and I was going like, why is that? at least they should have told me no. So I will know. And I was, I, I was, I don't know if I would say upset. It's better. I was anxious. I I, I desperately needed an answer. And um, then one day I got this email from the person who was kinder, and he says that I'm sorry we we gave that to someone else, but actually we have um, I have another uh, project, but it is self funded. Now, my husband was doing PhD at that time, and uh, as a PhD, you don't get paid enough to go and pay yourself for your PhD. So it, it was a bit of no, not a bit, but a lot. <laughs> so you, there was no option. And I I made back saying thank you, and but I cannot uh, do that with self-funding. And he was actually so good that after that email, he also uh, gave me the email address of two other friends at uh, Imperial College. And he said, like, contact them uh, under my name um, because they might have something. And I remember I contacted them and um, I sent my uh, degrees through. And it sounded like everything was going all right. While one day I get an email from the uh, office of Imperial saying that your degrees that you've done in Albania are not enough to, like, they, they, you don't have the proper qualification to come to Imperial, basically. And I felt quite sad. I remember, like, I, I was feeling like I'm going down, 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 and like, I was not satisfying myself. And I remember my husband going to me, like, um, listen to me. I think it's better that you, you try and start a PGCE at least you just get your feet somewhere and then we see how, how it happens. Like, it, it, we will see. It, it depends how the things go afterwards. And I had no idea how difficult it was to, to go into a PGCE course. <laughs> it, yeah. And, well, I applied. I applied at Brunel. And I went into an interview and Jane was interviewing me. You remember Jane? Jane. (laughs) (laughs) She was together with Sunita. And at some point she was, she was a little bit rude actually, because in one of the questions that she asked was like, I don't know if your English will allow uh, you to understand me, but anyways, I'm going to ask you this question. 
at that point, like, I didn't understand what she means, and I just answered and everything. But then, um, when I thought later on, I was going like, oh, she was like literally rude to me. It's like, she's so blunt. She's Irish, that's why. <laughs> but for some reason they accepted me i don't know why but yeah. that exception like that ex uh, acceptance had a list of things for me to do and there were seven conditions one of them was i had to do gcse maths gcse english um and then IELTS to pass it over seven for PGC and um, it was the other um, tests for English and maths that are required for to start the PGC I can't remember now exactly the name how they call it skills test skills oh, test. Skills. thank you <laughs> yeah um, it was uh, to do a subject knowledge enhancement course and to to be accepted from that and it was, hmm, you see, I, I think I forgot another two. And, but I was determined, I said, like, if I decide I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I had, um, I, I just started, like, to, to learn, basically, what is required for GCCA maths, what is required for GCCA English. And Sorry, I, uh, Jetmira, the live is going to finish. This has been an hour. So what I'll do is I'm going to start the live again. So inshallah, just join yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, join us inshallah. Uh, it's clicking and it will not get me live. Sorry. <laughs> I can't hear you now. Are you fine? Um, yes. Yes, okay, I can hear you. Um, so, inshallah, we, we stopped to the part about the seven conditions to get into PGCE. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I did I did the test. I remember that um, to do the skills test in English, um, it was that if you do the third time, you you cannot do the PGCE for five years, two or five years, something like that. Two years. Um, so, I did the first time. I failed. I said, well, the second time. I did the second time and I failed. I was going like, oh. Vera, are you well. for real? SubhanAllah. Yeah, I did. I actually did. And uh, yeah, because, and I, I'm happy actually to tell this to you because everyone who knows me, they, they think that, oh, everything that comes into my way, I just do it. Actually, it is not like that. I failed so many times. <laughs> And I think it's so important to share that. I think it's so important that, to share that. And I think you know, like, like when you see someone who's kind of successful and, and mashallah, they're doing really well. We don't see like, you know, the, the background work that they have to do. SubhanAllah. Yeah, that's true. Today. That's so true. I'm really happy sharing that. Mashallah. And um, yeah, so I, I did, I did it for the third time. And I remember um, like praying continuously because I was going like, Ya Allah, I failed getting into a PhD for so long. Like it was two years and a half until then. And now if I fail to get into PGCE also, that means that I will not have an, enough in myself to start something because 
it was just starting to begin into my mind that, well, here in England, I can't do anything. Whatever work I did, whatever education I got, it was completely, like, it was only for there. If I go to Albania, even now, like, I will, I will probably use it. But I will, at that time, I was like, so then probably I'll have to forget about my career, about like, doing the things that I love. And uh, I was praying so much and I was thinking like, okay, I'll do one thing. I was doing my skills test on the Slough and I said, this time I'm going to change it. I'm going to do it in Hanslow because just the change of the environment, sometimes it affects you. And I remember when I went to Hanslow and it was such a small shop, like you literally couldn't breathe. And I was going like, oh, the environment in here is like really stuffy. I hope I pass it. <laughs> and I remember doing the test and I was going like, yeah, Allah, if I fail this, I don't know if I will have in enough strength on me to carry on. And uh, I, I did it, and then I was just waiting very anxiously, and then the man came and he said, like, oh, congratulations, you passed. He said it like, so, like, okay, you, just, you passed probably because so many people pass it. But for me, it was like, yes, I did it, finally I did it. And I, I literally meant it. It was... It, it was like, Friendship, I, yeah. I remember that feeling that, oh, okay, one thing done. And then, yeah, I had, I had to do IELTS also. I remember I had done um, the previous year. So this was 2015. In 2014, I had done IELTS again, just so I can have it as a certificate for the... Um, for the applications that I was doing for PhD. And uh, um, I, I got my IELTS as 6.5 overall, and my speaking was 5.5. So it was not really good, actually. <laughs> and uh, But um, I got lots of points in writing and reading. Those were my strongest points. I think probably because that's how I was studying. When you, when you study yourself, I think this is the part that you actually focus because you don't have someone to literally um, practice the speaking. But in writing and reading, you can practice yourself like, for a long time. And I think these two gave me that boost that even though I had 5.5 in, in speaking and even listening was, was really low, actually. I think it was six... I think it was six. So those gave me a bit of a boost to go to 6.5. And But for PGCE, this was not accepted. So I took IELTS again, and again, I got it as 6.5. And I was thinking, okay, then English is my weakest point. I need to do something. And I, I was thinking, okay, this time I'm going to book it with university because um, they've got their own uh, criteria of the English test. And I was, I was feeling that 
that will be a little bit easier than the real IELTS. And actually, it was not any different, to be honest with you. It was exactly the same. But just that feeling that I'm doing it for university and I passed it. But I didn't feel that excitement that I felt for the skills test, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a different one. Yeah. Oh, and I remember I'm sorry, I went... I was going to ask you, Mira, how old is your daughter at this, at this point? Oh, she how was two years and a half now. You know, subhanAllah, you're trying to do PGCE, you're going to dress, yet you're a mum to a two-and-a-half-year-old girl. Like, what keeps you going? Like, at that time, what was like, I have to do this, or I have to keep... Like, what is it? Because a lot of people use their child as an excuse or as a reason to kind of not pursue their goals or their career. Um, but alhamdulillah, Allah allowed you to do it, you know, even when your daughter was really young. So, like, what can you share with somebody who's, like, you know, got a small child and they want to pursue, like, academia or a career or a business? Like, what would you advise them? Well, um, I always have gone with the idea that the child actually learns from the people around them. And if I want my child to be strong, then the child needs to see me struggling to get the things I want. And so I was thinking like, if I want to educate my child, I need to get educated myself. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that, uh, well, I had a master's, I wasn't educated, but my master's will not benefit my daughter. What will benefit my daughter was looking at me, going to work every day and uh, behaving as a professional uh, because that will prepare her to get to work, to know actually, like when, we, when I come from work, as like we discuss with my husband, like all the situations and she's there and she listens. And I, I think that that is something that your child needs to know to get prepared for what expects them in life. And I think I know that, yeah, children do have their demands and we have to give, give them attention. But I don't think my daughter was missing something because I was working out or because I was studying. Um, some people, I know they, they feel a bit awkward to take their children to childcare, like to nurseries. But for me, I feel that actually taking Urtessa to nursery, it has made her stronger and her social skills are quite developed. Like she, she would join the conversation. She will uh, start like, I, I would compare her. I don't want to compare and I don't want to do that. But like I could see her interacting with other children and I can see her initiating the conversation. And knowing that Urtessa is, uh, she's, shy and she's uh, I, I don't know how to explain exactly so she's got this soft nature but still she will initiate initiate the conversations to to make friends and i think these skills are better learned when they are with their ages when she's in contact with two and three and four years old she feels more comfortable to talk with them than to talk with me and my friends like because of course like some 
some socializing you are going to have and if you if your child don't go to nursery probably you you will have some friends coming over if they have kids that's great but if they don't have kids then she will just be stuck there with you and your friends i, I don't know probably i'm getting a bit too i i'm i don't want to drive attention away uh, from the the real thing but i i feel that um for me it was important to 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 get into a profession to actually to taste it myself and to learn my children that actually in this world in this world you have to work hard in order to get a few things and you have to work hard in both directions from willing to speak you doing it yeah yeah i i think that that was my method of showing how how things should how should get the things comments um jimira um um ayah has said you are so strong mashallah um, oh, thank you uh, najah dot said yes you go girl <laughs> mashallah uh, aisha khala loving your determination mashallah subhanallah thanks for sharing your amazing story sister i got primary pgce oh mashallah uh, but no qts i feel inspired to get my qts again now via another route now oh you've inspired me mira mashallah um so yeah and then um i did my pgce and as you know it was a great struggle and i never knew where it was a problem i think that part probably you know better because when we would meet at brunel you see me like telling literally and i couldn't figure out where where is the problem where is the problem uh, i i think what it is the point is people always when they feel weak they tend to blame the others and i'm not ashamed to say that i actually blame the schools i blame the mentors i blamed everybody that i couldn't i, I was struggling with my pgce um but in the other hand i feel that people didn't understand where was my luck that i was struggling um i i remember that um when i was right at the end of pgc it was like end of april and uh, at langley grammar school they they asked jane to come along so our university tutor and um they asked me to go to the office of the uh the person who was taking care of us with my mentor and i go there and i was sat down and jane told me like Yetmira and she was completely upset you have to do this and i said yeah and you have to do this like she listed few things to me and i said yes i will and you have to do this and she listed the things as as she was going with a finger like really forcing me in in front of the others like i said yeah yeah i will do it i want to pass this and i want to learn how to teach so i will actually do that and i remember that the nights were so long like i would i would spend up to 2 am 
I had to do the writing up of the um, lesson plan and I will prepare the PowerPoint and I had to send it uh, 48 hours, 48 working hours. If it was Friday for Monday, no, it had to be Thursday for Monday. And then the next struggle that I used to found, find was that when I would go in the lesson, because that lesson was prepared two days, four days ago, I would completely forget what was in my PowerPoint. And I was finding what was the problem now that I, I can realize. The problem with me was not that I was not preparing, I was not working hard. The problem with me was that I actually didn't know what's in curriculum, how much I should teach, and I was just wondering about. And then they will say, tell me, like, use the book. And yes, I would use the book. And when I used the book, uh, it was to teach a talk. And I was like, completely, I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do anymore. And then I would go like, one will tell me, okay, use this one then, and I will use that one. And then when, when I will get the lesson, observation was, was going like, oh, but uh, your student met three criterias, but actually you didn't extend them any further. And I was going, okay, so I have to extend them more than the three learning objectives. I starting to, uh, to put a little bit of everything and I was completely lost while the last week my um, mentor said for me you will never pass PGC <laughs> and I said like okay that's fine I think I will but that's fine and I remember that I was exhausted like I, I was going because I, I was staying up to 2 a.m., when I will go in the lesson, the noise of the students, like if they are going to chat with each other, it will not go into my ears because the thing is that I was so exhausted, I would not listen to that, to that noise that was going around. And then I was, they were going like, your behavior management is weak. So there were so many things. And then I remember, um, but I remember during that. this time, when, when I was doing these things, I was keeping evidence also. And then last week, once my um, mentor said that you are not going to pass this, and I remember on the train, and I called Jane, and uh, she said to me, Yitmira, are you okay? You will not call me if you, if you are okay. And I said, my mentor just told me that I'm not going to pass PGCE. Um, sorry, one thing to, um, no, they will make bad, just so, uh, for those conditions, every single thing that I had to do, for every email I had to send to school, I had to CC Jane. So for all the lesson plans, for every single thing that I had to do. And when they will send the feedback form to me, they had to CC Jane also. And then, um, then, I remember the university when like, okay, you need to judge Yitmira evidence-based. If she has evidence, then she passes. We, we don't care about your opinion at this point. And really I, I remember like for every teacher standard, I had at least five because I had been collecting. I, 
it, it was my method, like to collect the things to to get that folder ready. And uh, um, when I went that day was my last day, and they had I had to do the final report, and I had I I bought a cake and I bought a few things, and I left them on the table in the staff room. And I went into, went into the class where I had to teach. And um, I left a note in there and I emailed everyone, um, thank you for your support. I really appreciate everyone who have supported me during this time. It has been difficult for me and these things. And uh, please enjoy the cakes. Um, and there was this teacher, she, she was from um, New Zealand. And she, she came to me and she said to me like, you haven't come to the staff room today in the morning. And I said, well, I don't quite feel like coming. And she saw me and she went like, everyone struggles in the beginning, but sometimes people that are around you makes things harder and you just need to try, or it it is not found exactly what, what is the point on you that how to help you? And I think that was the problem. It, it, was, it was actually not found where was the point that I needed help. I think they, they treated me just like the other students who have studied here, GCSEs, A-levels uh, and university. But actually I had no idea what the curriculum has. Yeah, I would get like, I will try and read, but it, it was not the same. It's different to read, it's different to be told and to like literally to be said what, what it will be like. But yeah, uh, then I, we did the report and according to the evidence, he, like my mentor had to pass me. <laughs> he, he had no other choice um, because he, he was not left without a choice. It was going like, if she has the it's very sub subjective you know when it comes to the way they assess you as a trainee that's that's from my own experience because i saw you know i had i went to three different schools as part, as part, as part of my pbce and the way they assessed me in every school was just so different i just thought it's, it's, yeah yeah i, I would the, say the same there's so many yeah. questions around you know how you actually end up with a qts or you end up you know passing your pgce it's just yeah 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 that's true um and then after that the challenge was to find a job <laughs> so i applied and applied and applied and applied and applied and applied you don't know how many applications i had done and i had nine interviews and the ninth interview, it was in the day of graduation for our PGCE. And um, I was thinking, what shall I do? Shall I go into the graduation or shall I go into the, um, into the um, interview? Well, no, actually I was not accepted into that. I, I left the graduation, I went to the interview. I said, well, for me now is important to find a job. And I went there and I was not accepted. And I was going like, tell me, this my graduation too. Because like for me, it was, I really wanted to be there in the graduation day. 
and I, I was, I was upset, but on the other hand, I had told myself from the beginning that actually, if I don't go, I should not feel upset, but still I felt upset. It, it was this controversial, like I, I still felt upset because of that. And then the next day I had another interview and this was at Preston Manor School. And um, there um, I did my interview and they seemed happy and they accepted me. But the other thing is like, you kind of, I went through a um, agency and I kind of didn't know what to do. In the beginning, they asked me like, do you want to go with the school or you want to um, go like for the payment? And I didn't know what's the difference and I didn't ask which was wrong. Like for me, being in a um, new place, completely with new rules, I didn't know anything about the working ethics in here. I should have asked more before taking that decision. And um, I said, I don't mind. So they left, left me with the agency. Um, I started the job there in September and I, I used to get paid like weekly because that's how their plan will work best. But I was given like the opportunity to start the NQT. So I remember, I remember like September, I was still too shocked. And then um, in October, the things were getting pretty tough. Like, Preston Manor, near Wembley, students were difficult. <laughs> I will not use any word, any other word, but they were difficult. And um, it was getting every day more difficult, every day more difficult. Now, the difficulty was me teaching. So I could see that gap on me now. I could see that actually I was preparing, I was giving them the things, but not as deep as was required. And I didn't know what to teach them so they are prepared for the tests. So I was getting to the point of understanding better that there is a big gap in here. And it was, it was so difficult for me inside and it was into the point that the journey was a bit uh, a bit long, so I had to get the the bus up to Uxbridge, and I will get the train from Uxbridge to Preston Manor, and then I will walk for another ten minutes. And um, I remember I would wake up about five o'clock, and I will watch the time that it is five o'clock, and I would say, well. Let me wake up 5.30, I'll close my eyes, and I hope I will die so I don't have to go to that school and teach. That was the point that it has reached in there. My mentor was working only three days a week. She was lovely, but with my conditions, how I was, I needed more support than that, only three days a week. And of course, not always she would be available because um, she had her own classes to teach also. And it was super difficult until 
one day I had, I would say about six or seven year aids for detention. And one of the boys were, was particularly challenging and he would not accept when, whenever I will tell, I will give him detention and things, he, he will not accept it. And one year seven girl had forgotten her um, homework on the locker and she comes to my classroom to give me the homework. While I will turn to get the homework, he said, so the boy now, the year eight boy, said something about me. And this year seven, because like, I, I could see like, sometimes like, you, you know, when you are very like a bit kind and things, the year sevens are more willing to love you. And because she loved me so much and she, uh, I remember her swearing at the year eight boy and he stood up and he rushed towards her. Like it was literally wanted to, um, to hit her. And I was there and I, I got in the middle of both. Now I remember myself putting two hands up, but I don't remember. Now the students claim that I have, I have touched him and of course that it is not allowed. But I'm completely sure I didn't. Two year seven girls say that I didn't touch him. But that was the point where they didn't, the school didn't tell me, but at, right at that point, it was November. I think this was their plan. They didn't want it to get a cover from November until um, uh, December because it will cost them more money. So they didn't tell me anything, but they took the boy out of my class. And so um, up to December, I told there, up to the end of December. And the last two days, the line manager, so actually it was not the line manager, it was the deputy um, uh, head. She invited me into her office and she told me like, I'm so sorry, but we don't need you teaching in here anymore. I was literally sad like that. Two days before we would go to the um, Christmas holidays. And I remember I told for some reason that's why I think now like I I was a bit naive I would say because even though I was told like that I still went for the next two days at work and yeah I remember I went at work for the next two days and I I told some of my students and I remember one of the girls like um in the beginning, she didn't like me very much, but then like she got used with me. And at the end, when she learned that I'm, I'm going to go like those two days and she started to cry and she said like, I know I didn't like you in the beginning, but I don't want you to go. And then she said, I really want to hug you. I said, no. <laughs> and I jumped because <laughs> I knew that I should not have her. No, please, no. And she said, I'm sorry, but I really love you. And I was going like, no, please. Yeah, you are very well. And please keep studying. Please keep studying. I, I remember her name. Her name was uh, Beyonce. I, yeah, she, she was a lovely African girl. Like uh, it, myself, I, I would, because I've got this, this type that I'm a little bit rough in the beginning. So I get them into the point so they can listen to me 
And I think that's where we clashed in the beginning, but afterwards she learned to to be a bit more, uh, like she learned my type and my thing, and I learned her. So we got a bit more um, interaction and we start to understand each other basically. But yeah, and comment then. Assalamu alaikum, Amira. Good to see you here. Oh, sorry. And Najah saying, Asis, you're so determined. Yeah, she is, mashallah. Uh, um Ayyad saying, real soldier. Um, Najah, oh, wow. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Oh, sweet student. Subhanallah, Jitmira. So I can't believe it. It's like in your journey, it's like you're going and then something happens. And then you go yeah. and something happens. Subhanallah, this is what I mean. It's like, what is it? What is it about you being determined that is so important for you to be determined? Like, why? why? Like, 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 a lot of people would, maybe by the first or second time, think, you know what, call it a day, you know? But you just keep I think, going. Yeah, I think if, if someone wants to achieve something, then they have to overcome those struggles. Like early or late, you have to overcome the struggles. If you don't overcome the struggles, you will never reach your destination. Like even, uh, I will get some, like an example that it is like really, if someone wants to walk from A to B, it will not be a red carpet. There will be pebbles, there will be thorns probably, there will be broken glass. You have to try and remove them out of the way in order to get to your destination. I think that's that's what it is. Just just try hard to get to the destination if you really want that. And then, <laughs> yeah. So um, then I said, well, okay, let me go to Albania. I will not apply. I remember my um, the girl from the um, what's the name agency. She contacted me and she said, "Like, oh, okay, so we will see for another position and this and that." And I said, "Okay," but at the same point, I actually um, asked another girl from another uh, from another company, and I said, "Well." I want a job, but I'm going to go to Albania. I will come 10th of January. I'm sorry. And that's when I want to go for interview. And she said, don't worry, Mira. I will try my best until then. And then I went to Albania and I forgot about everything. I said, like, I don't care. When I'll go back, if Allah wills, I will carry on. And I was going like, this is a bit like mean and probably not that good but I was thinking like and you know what at least probably it's good that I have a kid now if I don't go back at least I'll have an excuse <laughs> yeah I know it's not very nice like to hear it like that but that's what it was going into my mind and uh, when I came back I I went to three interviews um one of them said to me like oh well We've got um, another teacher. Uh, we don't think you are perfect, but we think that you are better than her. So we will call you later on. And I said, please don't call me. And I stopped there. So I didn't go with that. And then 
I went to a second school in Hounslow. Um, the um, science head there, she was really lovely. And she said, like, I really love the way you taught and your interaction with students, particularly because you don't know them at all. But this is a very rough school and you are really sweet to survive in here. And so I was left with that. But she said, like, probably if you get more experience, I would love to have you here. And in the third school I went, it was Lambton Academy. And I was accepted. And they said, well, we will support you. We don't mind it. And actually, I had enormous support. Like, they literally helped me, helped me, helped me, helped me, helped me. And I remember my lessons, when I compared my lessons, in uh, June with my lessons in uh, January, it was such a difference, really a difference. And I remember uh, one of the um, people who will take care of the NQTs, he was, he was really strict. Uh, and my mentor was going always, oh, he wants this and that. Please make sure this place it in here, this place it in that. And she will, she will kind of collaborate with me like for hours to prepare me for the observation with him. And we had, I had an observation every week, not only from my um, mentor, but I had it from the um, head of science and from line manager and from the uh, tutor himself. So this was for a total of three months because I was cause for concern. So they wanted to support me to pass that threshold. And then once I passed it, then they they just gave me the final two um, observations. And I remember at the end, they call it Viva uh, for some reason. I felt like, oh, like Viva in PhD. But um, so it was this, we had to tell throughout NQT, what did you learn? How did you learn? What are the things that you are going to push yourself to learn later on? And when I was telling my, like, all what I learned and everything and how I started and all the things. And I remember this, uh, the tutor saying, well, and then, uh, he did this and he said, well, Yitmira, when I saw you in, in the beginning, I thought that, hmm, that's very difficult for her to change because like, I didn't know how to do it properly. But now when I came and observed your lesson at the end, I think that you've got all the makes of a teacher. You've got everything there. You are ready now to teach. And I was going like, oh, yes. I'm at the yeah, end now. It the, that's fantastic. Well done, mashallah. Yeah. Well done, yeah. You should be so proud and, of your subject, Mira. At that point, I was seven months pregnant. Oh. <laughs> yes. Mashallah. So, yeah, I, I did my NQT and I was seven months pregnant, pregnant at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I bored you. <laughs> so you finished your NQT, you know, seven months pregnant, mashallah. Um, and then, inshallah, and then you had your baby, and then you, um, and then you, I think that's when I came to see you after you had your second baby. And yeah. there was, you know, you, that's when you announced, you know, that you're going to be starting a, a PhD. Um, yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, like, 
like, how is she doing it? You know, because you're working full time as a teacher. Um, you have two small children um, and you're doing a PhD. Like, how did you cope with all of that, Bridget Miro? Well, um, I think afterwards, like one of the things before starting the PhD, I was thinking like the way how I'm going to do this, because I can't find funding for someone who have finished in Albania. So one of things to do it like I'm going to work and I'm going to do the PhD so um, I found a job at uh, Herschel Grammar School and then I contacted my PhD supervisor I just wrote her an email I'm interested to do this I will be self-funding uh, can I meet you and I went to meet her and everything and um, then she said like I would love you to meet the other two people also that who is going to work with us and so i went another day and i met them um and then i remember that um they were they were very happy they thought that actually i i do make a good person to um, to carry on with the research and then from there i thought okay now there will be too many things to deal with so since then, I started to put some, uh, when uh, during the NQT with Nassau mainly, um, we were invited for conferences, which to be honest, I love them. Um, so I went to Birmingham a couple of times and they give us some, uh, um, some talks and also some training. And one of the training was for time management, which I got the tips in there and they made my life. I think, a person who wants can put as many tasks as, as they want in one day. Of course, not tasks that each task was, will last like four, five, eight hours, but as many tasks as they like. And I've seen it that with the time management scheme, particularly the one that it is with four uh, boxes, four boxes and um, placing them like what is more important and the deadline first to do them first and then carry on like that there is one thing else that I have started and I, I found it because every person is different and with me it works that I want to separate my work my research and my home so I allocate the jobs that I have to do for each one within the time that I'm at work, I'm at university, or I'm at home. And I try, and by fitting in this way, I feel that I can be productive, I can do the things that I want. So I, I never take marking home. I know now the teachers will go like, oh, I can't believe it, do you actually work? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back, on the other hand, I go 6.30 in the morning at school and I make sure that if I've got any marking, I do it during that time or half an hour that I stay behind after school or lunchtime and break time. I know it is lunch, but if you really want to fit the things, you need to be organized. And um, there is one tip, one lifesaver tip that I've got always, like I remember Ayan going like, if I don't have the... Um, list the tick list i can't get the jobs done and i feel the same like 
unless I've got that what I need to do and tick as I go along, then I feel that, okay, my part is done, my job is done, and then I can move to something else. So I think being organized is key to getting things done. Well, now you are going to laugh with me, but that's what I do at home also for cleaning, for cooking. I do a tick list. And I go like, Honestly. I go like, oh, dishes, tuck, done, hooray! Because that's the part that I hate most, dishes, kitchen, oh dear. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> this is it. Mashallah. So having a to-do to to list and ticking it off as you go along. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the checklist, I think, is lifesaver. And like literally organizing everything at a time. The first year, I... I was five days a week uh, at work and I was doing my research during the half terms and after school. Now I know you think, okay, who takes my girls to school? Who picks them up? They comes where um, I've got the support of my husband. Like if he would have not been there, I will not be able to do any, like anything. To be honest, like for both of us, if he wants to do something, he needs my support. And when I want to do something, I need his support. Like we have to do a plan to fit everything. It's, it's literally very hard. I remember um, when I was doing my PGC or even the NQT and Urtessa was nursery full time. Um, and uh, I had to, my husband, because he had conferences and things and he had to go away um, sometime like in different places and I would be late to pick her up, like I would go after six o'clock and of course I would be charged more, but except that like when I, I used to call my friends to go and pick up Ortesa or my, um, my husband's relatives because they were closer. And except that, I had to listen to her crying all the time because my mom had forgotten me in the nursery. <laughs> oh, dear. I thought you forgot about me. Of course I didn't forget about you. <laughs> How would I? <laughs> I don't understand that. Uh, they do, they do isn't understand. it? There is an element of like, um, kind of like not being in your comfort zone when you want to kind of reach your goal, reach your destination, mm -hmm. um, achieve things. You know, things are not going to go, um, you know, as in like how it is now, like compared mm -hmm. to, you know, when you want to, you know, achieve something in your life. Um, yeah. Sometimes, like when you're a mother, I think, I think that's what it is as well when you're like a Muslim mum as well. Like, you don't see a lot of Muslim mums, you know, thriving in academia or um, thriving in their, you know, career. Um, so then, you know, when you want to kind of take that step towards wanting to start a business or wanting to start, you know, your career again or wanting to, you know, go into academia, you kind of just feel like, well, no one's really doing it and I've got children and, you know, but the key thing is that when you come out of your comfort zone, like there that's what it is it's like it's, it's not going to be comfortable isn't it um yeah. but i think it's about realizing that that time uh, when you're outside of your comfort zone at the beginning is going to feel a bit awkward it is going to feel a bit overwhelming it's going to feel a bit a bit fearful and you're going to have all of the you know uh, negative thoughts in your mind about you know what you're doing and maybe you shouldn't do it maybe you should sit at home and look after your child 
but I think everyone's different and everyone's uh, yeah. journey and path is different and it's not yeah. about you comparing your life to somebody else or or um, how, how Muslim mum should be it's about you just looking at like what's best for you and your family and that's what I love about your story Jamira because you have your husband's support and I think that's that's what it is if you have the support whether it's your husband whether it's your your mom or your family whether it may be your neighbor I think you do as a Muslim mom or just a mom generally when you want to go out and achieve something you do need that support um and and that's really really important I think to Mm. to share yeah that's true that's true yeah I yeah I think without my husband uh, uh well one of the two would have happened I would have not had children or like I would have not done anything because like you do need support of someone like there are things I I know you can do you can do like with paying and everything but it doesn't work like that you need some support in order to do things like support from inside within the family within your uh, people that are around you yeah yeah so yeah that, that's what you know like you know with support as well i just want to talk about a bit about support you know with support um you know what would you say about like like you know like you know the kind of support you would want from your spouse or people around you like the support they're going to give you like each person will have their own kind of support you know like you know with your spouse for example it could be like with your, for example people he helps you with the children um, yeah, maybe with another, with another, you know, family, it could be the support comes from you, them cheerleading you on and telling you like, mashallah, like you can do it and keep trying and you know, it's, and, I, and I think it's just really important that we um, kind of understand that, like, because sometimes we can think of support like something in our mind, and then that person is supporting us, but we're just not seeing that support, and sometimes that could cause like, you know, friction. Um, um, yeah, I. I would say that, like, regarding the support, um, it it depends a lot, like, how, yeah, how do you see it? Uh, I I think sometimes uh, people um, might think that the support is, they they do not realize something, like, within the family. They, they feel it like, oh, it's a duty. Oh, well, she's her daughter, too. So, uh, or she's his daughter too. So both of them, let's share the rights equally. But it doesn't work like that. Because if, if you are to share everything equally, you you will feel drained very quickly. You really need to to appreciate outside the what you think their support because it is something, yeah, or she's the grandma. So it's fine to to take care of yeah, but the grandma, her children are grown up now. Now it's your turn to take care of your children. If she does it for your children, then you actually have to say thank you to her and you have to evaluate her support in that. So I think, yeah, sometimes people dismiss it, but probably because it has just been the, the custom like that. The, the grandmas will take care of the children, so it's fine. But actually, or the husband is fine, or the wife, which is the classical example that every 
every man comes at home like, oh, I've been working so hard at work. So what? I've been working very hard at home. Yeah, I, I, I literally mean this because, like, to be honest, I, I'm really upset with men that actually dismiss the work of, of the wives at home. It's so hard to maintain the house. It is very hard. And that can, can see only a husband who have to stay with kids at home and the wife to go out at work. And when you will come from work and you will see the jungle at home, and then when you will see that actually, oh, when I used to go to work and come back, like the house was a bit different. So we... Oh, yeah, it is a lot different. And I remember, because, um, Mira, at the time you were sharing with me how your husband was, I think he, did, he had just finished his PhD. Um, yeah. So he was at home with the girls. How was that? Oh, um, yeah. Well, the things... Uh, um, my husband is a very theoreticist scientist, I would say, that he thinks that... Um, he loves to do the science in his own way, and he's got his ideals to be done like in his own way. And so um, he finished his PhD, but he has decided to, um, to do the science and the maths, some research in his own, completely in his own. And... Um, he wants and hopefully it will he he wants to get with some of his theories alone and while he's working at home like he's um he's helping me with with kids around um yeah but yeah so that that's how he, he finished his phd and um in about a month he decided that no i'm not going to go for a postdoc but I, actually i'm going to work into this problem and I'll carry on with that problem until I'll find a solution for that. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit, <laughs> a, a story in its own. <laughs> I think it's good that, mashallah, that, you know, it's allowing you to go out there, isn't it? And, and do, you know, your work and your, you know, your research yeah, and he's helping out, you know, with the, with the children at home. Yeah, so that's, that's really good. It's really good. Um, okay, so just to kind of summarize everything, um, because mashallah, um, you know, you're taking us on your on your journey, and I've learned so much about you, uh, subhanAllah. Um, to kind of just summarize today's um, uh, kind of podcast, can you share like three uh, things you would advise your younger self? Um, I would say... Probably one of the things is to be less sensitive because sometimes when, because I was sensitive, I, I've lived few things and I've, I have struggled with maintaining myself as personality because I was really sensitive to, to certain situation. Um, another thing is, if you've got a goal in your mind, just persevere until you get there. Because 
no one is going to take you there unless you take your journey, you take the struggles. And then the third one is have faith in Allah because with the help of Allah and with your duas for the thing that you want, you will be able to achieve it. We never can get something done without his, his will, without his be without our journey being written from him actually so i would say these three i i think the the faith in allah have have helped me throughout all this except it from you um just going to share some of the comments before we uh, finish um the jessen also cute preach yes i'm struggling with a two-year-old i got uh sorry she said um, one sec. Uh, I got set back recently. I'm enrolling again on the same course at a different academy. Three uh, um, came at the right time to keep to keep me going. Oh, alhamdulillah, that's amazing. Zakalah sisters, what a yaki. Keep going. Just keep going. I I know you can do. It. If I could do it, I came from Albania and I could do it. I know that every one of you could do it. You can. Jitmira for today. Mashallah, it's been really, really interesting, and I've really, really enjoyed uh, hearing your story. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to bless you and your family, and to make you beacons of light. Um, and I'd love to do a part, to, a part two of you, inshallah, in the future. Um, but other than that, my dear sisters, Jazakallah um, to all of you for Mashallah, listening in and participating and sharing your comments and feedback. Um, inshallah, episode uh, four will be available on um, IGTV as soon as this live ends. And inshallah, it will be on, uh, on on YouTube sometime next week. And the link, inshallah, will be shared um, on, on our story. Um, other than that, my dear sisters, this is the end. And inshallah, we'll uh, come back next week with episode five. And the speaker details uh, will be shared on Monday as usual. Other than that, my dear sisters, take care of yourselves and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks again. It was a pleasure being here with you.